Well, having been a pastor since the early 1990s, I've noticed a lot of trends that come and go in the church. Trends in music or styles of worship or just, just, just different things. One trend that I've noticed is that in a wedding, brides wearing veils, wearing a veil is not as common as it used to be. I remember when Cheryl and I got married. I mean, I was so excited to finally see her in the back of the room. I hadn't seen her all day. And all I could see was this white veil. I said, I don't want to see that. I want to see Cheryl. You know, that, you know what that veil symbolizes in a wedding? That physical separation between the bride and the groom until they're pronounced husband and wife. Then that veil's thrown back and there's nothing between them anymore. It's a great uh, symbolic image for couples who have honored God in their dating relationship. You know, veils are part of society. I mean, even in some cultures, they're a very common occurrence. Um, women have to wear veils whenever they're out in public just to give men a message to back off. You've seen on the news over in parts of Afghanistan and other parts of the Muslim areas that women wear a burqa. They're completely covered. That's an extreme form of a veil. Well, in, his, in, in this part of his second letter to the Christians in the Greek city of Corinth, uh, Paul references a veil. And specifically, he highlights an event in the history of God's people that we find in Exodus chapter 34, uh, and starting in verse 33. Paul goes back and he reminds these Christians of what happened. Moses would go off alone into what they called the tent of meeting, and he would have a meeting with the Lord. He would go off and he would have a conversation with God, face to face. And as Moses was in God's presence in this tent, his face would start to glow. Probably similar to that glow coming off my bald head that you all see. His face would glow. And he would come out of that tent... And the, and the scripture says that he would put a veil over his face. Now Paul says in our scripture today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that Moses veiled his face not to block the glowing nature of his face, but to block the fade that would happen after being in the presence of God, his face would kind of fade down to normal. See, when he was in God's presence, he would glow, but then he would be out of that tent and his face would come back to normal. And he wanted to veil that process of coming back to normal. Now, why in the world would Moses do this? Well, according to Paul, if, if, if the people saw Moses' face fade from, from glowing to back to normal, they would think that God's presence with them could also fade away. And he didn't want that to happen. So Paul writes that to this day, the Jewish people's faces are still veiled because they refuse to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Only when they believe in Christ can that veil come off. See, there are people walking around us, living life with us, working with us. And they're going through life with a veil over their hearts. They can't see themselves properly. They can't see the world properly or clearly. 
Because they refuse to believe that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. And see, although Moses' face returned to normal after he spent time with God, now that Jesus has come, the glory of God doesn't fade away from our lives anymore. When we're in the presence of God all the time, which we are, we're in the presence of God every day, all the time, our lives should shine the light of Christ wherever we go and whatever we're doing. We shouldn't try to veil or hide that from people. Paul writes that when the veil of sin is removed from our lives, we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God to a dark world. When I was in college, I lived in a high-rise dorm my freshman year. And right across the walkway from our dorm was another dorm. It was a girl's dorm. We used to unscrew the mirror from the medicine cabinet in the dorm. I can, is there anyone from my college here? No. And we would go to the big window, and on sunny days we'd shine, we'd hold that mirror up, and girls would come to the window and we'd zap them. <laughs> that bright light would just get them. Almost like this. Here we go. Y'all ready for this? Oh, I got a mirror. I can have fun now. Anybody sleeping? <laughs> we can let y'all have it. I want to be nice. There's some people I'd love to zap with it, but I'm going to be nice. <laughs> McAfee, where are you? There you are. <laughs> does your light, does the light of your life shine like that to other people? Does the light of Christ in your life project that? Almost like, wow. Look how brightly they are living their lives. Remember, Paul writes that because of what Christ has done for us, he says, and here, we need to live in a bold manner. To shine a life to reflect the light of Christ is bold. It's not dim. I think there are too many of us walking around as if we have a veil over our faith. Well, I don't want people to see my faith. That's showy. I don't want to reflect God's light too brightly. It might offend somebody. It might hurt their feelings. Or maybe you say, I think it's better to just do everything in balance, in moderation. Live a faith that's appropriate. That's how we need to live. Well, I, please show me in this wonderful book where it says Christians are supposed to be moderate and appropriate. I can't find it. The closest thing I could find is in Revelation chapter 3. When Jesus says to and in his letter to the church, because you're neither hot or cold in your faith, but you're like lukewarm water, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Living in moderation, living in control, living in politically appropriate ways is not how Scripture tells us we are to live. We're to live brightly so that everybody can see who Jesus is through us. In verse 18, Paul gets to the real meat of this discussion. 
He says that when we accept Christ, the veil is removed and God transforms us into his image. He transforms us. It's the exact same word that Matthew uses in chapter 17 when he says Jesus went up on a mountain and he was transformed. We may have called it transfiguration of Jesus. Remember that? It's the same word. His appearance changed. They knew it was him, but it didn't look like him. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to transform our lives, change us. I mean, let's face it, we're always changing. Nothing in culture, and the culture around us, stays the same. Because we're living in a world that's constantly changing. I remember back in the 70s, my dad gave me the first manly advice he could give me. He said, Mike, let me give you advice man to man. It's like, oh boy, this is going to be good. He said, when you're old enough, and maybe I'll help you, you need to buy a leisure suit. Because those things will never go out of style. Nice polyester leisure suit, you'll wear that forever. We don't like to change but we're constantly in a state of change. So if, if we're changing, if God wants to transform us, into what kind of person are we changing? Listen, did, did you know that every single day your relationship with Christ is changing? Every day, either you're growing closer to Christ or you're moving away from Christ. That's your decision. We never want to stay the same. So into what kind of person are you changing? Are you passively going to change into the culture around us? Are we going to hope for the best and attempt to change ourselves? That doesn't work out too well. Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to change us and transform us? from who we are into the person that God wants us to be. Can churches change? Oh boy, now I'm really in trouble. I mean, we're in the change business, aren't we? We're all about God and spiritual growth, but yet it's true, a lot of churches don't like to change. And I've always wondered why it's so hard for churches to change. I mean, if we're the church of Jesus Christ here on earth, shouldn't we be open as a congregation to Christ changing us? Paul writes that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God gives us freedom. I mean, if the Spirit of God lives in us because we've given our lives to Jesus, that makes us free free to live and speak boldly for God, free to live without an obstacle between ourselves and God, free to live without the handcuffs of sin. Yet I wonder how many of us are living this way. I mean, think about it this way. 
Jesus didn't, I mean, Jesus didn't leave heaven. He didn't come to earth and put up with us to die on the cross, defeat sin and death, put his Holy Spirit in our lives, all so that we can live timid, veiled lives. That's a lot of work for us to go through life never reflecting the light of Jesus. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, put it this way. He said, the freedom of a life in Christ offered us, offers us the ability to behold with an open face the glory of God. Listen to that again. This freedom that Paul writes about, Wesley said, gives us the, the ability to behold with an open face the glory of the Lord. Are you living life like that? Am I living life like that? Is everything that you have, everything that you are, open to God? Can you stand before God completely bare, inviting him into the deepest places of your life? That's what it means to live in freedom. We're free from having to worry about hidden sin because Jesus has reached in and he's taken it out. You know, it's, it takes a lot of work and effort to try to hide sin in our lives from other people. The whole mentality that, well, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, it's okay. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. See, sin of any kind separates us from God. Sin is a veil that blocks us from a true, full relationship with God. If there is still unresolved hidden sin in your life, it's keeping you from experiencing a full relationship with Jesus. Paul says in verse 18 that as the Spirit of the Lord works in us, we become transformed and we reflect his glory more and more as we go through life. Just a note here, when we hear that phrase, you know, reflecting God's glory or the, the, the glory of God, we, we, we hear that phrase, we instantly think of something shining, don't we? Well, the word for glory doesn't mean shining. It means substance. It means essence of something. It means someone's dignity or honor. So when we reflect God's glory, we're actually reflecting God's nature, God's honor, or what, it, what makes God who God is. That's what we're reflecting to people. That's a pretty big deal. Paul compares a life without Christ to a life lived with a veil that separates us from God. In the first century temple in Jerusalem, in the temple was a large, heavy curtain that separated the altar area, or the Holy of Holies, from the rest of the people. Some scholars believe that it was as thick as a person's hand. That's a lot of fabric. It went from floor to ceiling. And you know what they called this curtain? They called it the veil. 
Matthew tells us in chapter 27 that at the moment Jesus died, that thick, heavy curtain that they called the veil was torn in half. See, this symbolized that now there was nothing to separate people from Almighty God. The debt of their sins had been paid in full with the life of God's Son. See, living a life for Jesus gives us full access to God. A life not lived for Jesus is a life that has a large curtain between us and God. I mean, think about it. Why in the world would we want to live with anything in our lives that separates us from God? But let me tell you, even though we might live life behind a veil, hiding, trying to hide from God, God still sees us. The veil of sin doesn't block those sins from God. It only blocks our access to God. See, God wants so much more for us than just a comfortable home or a wonderful family or financial security. Yes, those are blessings, but anybody, regardless of what they believe, can have those things. God wants us to live a veil-free life in which our lives are so connected with God's life that we can truly live as his ambassadors, his representatives in the world. Maybe I'm talking about a life that you've never experienced. If that's the case, maybe God's talking to you today. The downside is that now that you've heard this, there's no more excuses. Give your life to Jesus. Let him transform you into the person that he wants you to be. Stop living a false life because until we encounter Christ, we don't really know who we are. We don't even understand what it means to live a fully human life apart from Christ because that's how God created us. Is there a veil between you and God? Why is it there? Only you can answer that. Maybe you've had hurts in your life. Maybe you've let people down. Maybe you have a low view of yourself. And you think, well, I've made so many mistakes. God, I'm not worthy for God to love me, so I'm just going to put this veil up. Don't listen to those thoughts. Jesus died to remove that veil. God knows everything about you. He knows every mistake you've ever made, and certainly every mistake I've made. And he loves us anyway. Is there a veil over your heart? Think about that. Ponder that as we pray. Let's pray together.